Good morning, everybody. I see some new faces in the room. It might just because it might be because I'm the new guy. And uh, if you are joining us for the first time, both here and online, welcome to Afraid of Foursquare Church. We're so excited that you're here, that you're with us. For those of you watching online, we can feel your presence. Thank you for being with us this morning. And uh, we love Jesus at this church. We're so excited that you're here. Uh, I'm Pastor Blake, and I started in December. So I'm not kidding when I say that I'm the new guy. And I'm still learning faces and meeting people, and so it's so glad to have you here uh, if you are joining us for the first time, we are at the very end of a series, well, the last Sunday of a three-week series called Pray First, and we've been talking about prayer for the last three weeks in conjunction with 21 days of prayer. We've been meeting every Saturday for the last couple weeks uh, here in the building, and we've been ha praying every day over something specific, and so we have one more week to go of daily prayer focus, and I would encourage you, if you don't know what the daily prayer focus is for the day, you can go on to our Subscribe to our emails, and uh, we're so, I'm so thankful that you've been joining us in prayer. I believe God is going to do something powerful as we've been committing these 21 days to praying for uh, our, our, our world. If you've noticed throughout these three weeks, we started kind of broad. We started praying for our world and for our country and for our city and for our schools, and then the second week, we kind of started to narrow it down, bringing it closer to home. We started praying for uh, people within our church body, our marriages that they would be strengthened we started praying for parents and single parents and for the vision of the church and throughout this third week we're going to be praying more specifically about things that are happening in our lives and so I encourage you to press in continue to press in as we continue to pray together and the tagline of this series has been this that prayer is our first response not our last resort Oftentimes, I think people will pray as a last resort. The first thing that they try to do is they try to figure it out on their own. They try to fix the problem through their own strength. And then when all else fails and when they've run out of answers, they turn to God because that's the only place left. When you hit the bottom of the barrel, you turn to God. But prayer is meant to be our first response not our last resort. In every situation, in every season of life, whether we're on the mountaintop experiencing the joys of life, we thank God for those things. We come to him in prayer. We talked in the first week about how prayer links us to God. It's our relationship that we have with him. And I equated it to if you walk up to the altar on your wedding day and you look at your soon-to-be spouse in the face and you exchange vows, but you walk off the stage and you never speak to that person ever again. That's what a relationship uh, that's what the life of a Christian looks like if you do not pray. That prayer is meant to be a daily conversation with the Lord. And last Sunday, if you haven't watched last Sunday's message, I encourage you to go online and watch it or, or listen to it on our podcast. I don't know if you know, but we have podcasts now on iTunes and Spotify and uh, Google Play. You can listen to it on your drive to work. If you are headed to Moses Lake, you can probably get a whole message in to Moses Lake and back. And... Um, but we talked about persistence in our prayer. We talked about how Jesus instructs us to pray persistently, to dig in. A lot of times we pray for something when we're called to pray through something. Much like the Israelites circling Jericho, how they circled that city for seven days. And I'm sure for those seven days they thought, what are we doing? 
Why are we doing this? Until eventually the walls came crashing down. We are meant to circle our prayers in persistence and pray as if we had everything on the line. And today, I want to talk about uh, something else uh, in regards to prayer. The title of my message today is Dangerous Prayers. And the whole origin of this series kind of started in October or November when I read a book by Pastor Craig Groeschel. He pastors one of the largest churches in America. He wrote a book called Dangerous Prayers. And it inspired me, and it was the reason for this series. I wanted to share some of it with you. In fact, I almost titled our series Dangerous Prayers. Uh, But the title of my message today is Dangerous Prayers. Because so much of what we pray... Out of all the people that I know, out of all the American Christians that I know, so much of what we pray, and I think you would agree, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but so much of what we pray is safe, it's predictable, it's generic, right? I mean, if we're honest, we can probably admit that, that our prayers are oftentimes safe. We ask the Lord to bless me. God, would you bless me? It's safe. Lord, would you be with me? It's a good prayer, but it's safe, right? Lord, would you protect me? Would you give me travel mercies? It's a good prayer as well. None of these things are bad to pray for, but they're all safe prayers. In fact, I wonder, I wonder sometimes how often we pray for travel mercies. We say, God, would you protect us from here to there? And the Lord is going up in heaven. If you just put your seatbelt on and drive the speed limit, you're gonna be fine. It's okay. It's, or, or when we open up a bag of Cheetos and we say, Lord, would you bless this meal that I'm about to receive? I wonder if the Lord's going, really? You, uh, you want me to bless, bless a bag of Cheetos? How about you throw some veggies in your diet? You know? So much of what we pray is predictable. It's safe. And Jesus never promised a safe life. He never promised an easy life following him. I'm sorry to burst some of your bubbles. Maybe you're here and you're new to the faith and somebody once told you that if you follow Jesus, all your problems will go away. Come on, those of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, we know the truth, don't we? That following Jesus is not an easy button. No, in fact, uh, Jesus promises the opposite. He says this. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. So you want to be blessed? Get persecuted. That's not from me. That's from the Bible, okay? Oftentimes we we pray in such a way as to avoid uncomfortable situations. We pray in such a way to avoid things that make us feel unsafe or make us feel uncomfortable. God, would you make me, instead of saying, you know, God, would you make me safe? Would you keep me safe? We should, you know, if we're honest, God, would you keep me comfortable is what we really want to pray. But Jesus doesn't promise a comfortable life. He promises that we will face opposition and persecution, that we will be tested, that we have a faith that needs to be worked out, don't we? The kingdom of heaven is not safe. It's dangerous. And what if our prayer life reflected that? What if we began to pray dangerous prayers? And when I say dangerous, I mean dangerous in a good way. I don't mean dangerous in a, bad me- in a bad way. I mean dangerous in a way that moves us out of our comfort zones. What if we prayed in such a way that we said, God, I'm available for whatever you have for me, no matter how far out of my comfort zone it takes me. God, I'm willing to pay whatever cost. These types of prayers are difficult. If we're honest, 
If I'm honest, I've read scripture and and there's been some verses and some things that Jesus says and I go, I don't know if I'm ready to say that. Because I know that if I say that, God is going to take it to the bank. He's going to make it happen. He's going to... He's going to make this happen if I pray this, if I'm honest. I don't know if I want to say that quite yet, but I'm here to ask you, church, family, are you willing this morning to begin a relationship with God that involves dangerous prayers, that involves stepping out of your comfort zone? It's going to be a challenging message today, but I want to push you. I want you to to know that my words are spoken in love and that I, I want to see our church more mature, just like the Bible teaches us that we are becoming more, more mature in Christ. And these prayers, they're so difficult because they have such a, a potential to redirect the course of our life. We have plans, don't we? We've got things that we, we have routines. And when God stops us in the middle of our routine and says, hey, would you go out, step out of your comfort zone, would you go do this for me? We're like, well, but God, I was about to get my coffee for the day. You don't, God, I'm a little grumpy right now. I don't have my coffee yet. But when we pray these dangerous prayers, God takes us out of our comfort zones and he redirects our lives. And this morning, I want to focus on a prayer that King David prayed. And it's in Psalms 139. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. It's a very honest prayer. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to have it up on the screen, but I, I love it when we can turn our Bibles to that place, read it from our own, from our own Bibles. <clears throat> Psalm 139, here's the dangerous prayer that David prays. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Ooh, come on. We all know what happens when God tests us. We've all read the story of Abraham and Isaac. Come on, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. This is a dangerous prayer that David prays. And I want to break this up into four different parts because there's really four things that that, that David is asking the Lord to do in this prayer. And the first thing that David prays in this prayer is, is search my heart. He says in verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. David prays, God, would you search my heart? Why do we need God to search our heart? I have a good heart. You have a good heart, don't you? We have this saying that we we say all the time, oh, she's got such a good heart. She's got such a wonderful, I know that she, I know she said that, but her intentions were good. She has such a good heart. Actually, she doesn't. (laughs) Actually, you don't have a good heart. If you are without Christ, let me, let, me, let, me, let me preface this. Without Christ, you do not have a good heart. The Bible says that once you come to Christ, you're given a new nature. But without Christ, you do not have a good heart. And Jeremiah chapter 17 proves it. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? The bottom line is we are all Liars. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand if you've ever told a lie. Look around. Now keep them up. Keep them up. Come on. Keep them up. Now look around the room and look to the person sitting next to you and say, liar, liar, pants on fire. Come on. We all, we all love to lie. But I, can I argue this? 
I think the most common lie that we tell are the lies that we tell ourselves. We say, I don't drink too much. I was just stressed, okay? I'm trying to cope with the stress. I, don't, I can stop any time that I want. I'm not materialistic. I just appreciate nice things, right? I don't have an anger problem. I'm just passionate, so I like to raise my voice. I, uh, it's not gossip. I'm just trying to tell other people so that they can pray with me. Come on. Small churches, this happens, okay? And it's not gossip. I just want to tell others so they can pray with, with me about it. I'm not critical. Man, that person's such an idiot. <laughs> Pastor Blake just, what is he wearing today? <laughs> I'm not lusting. I just appreciate a nice physique, okay? <sighs> we lie to ourselves all the time. I remember a heated argument that I had with a family member and, uh, and there were voices that were raised, and there was lots of spitting going on, and, and I, I felt justified in what I was doing. I felt as though I didn't do anything wrong. I was in the right, and I was standing up for what was right. But I took it to the Lord, and I said, Lord, would you search my heart? Would you, would you search me and know if there's, tell me if, if, if I'm missing anything? And you know what I heard from the Lord? He said, Blake, you're perfect. He said, Blake, he said, he said, Blake, I applaud your conflict resolution skills, and I want you to know that you were in the right. No, that's not what I heard from the Lord. I began to receive from him a list of all the things that I needed to apologize for. And I had to do what every man hates to do and say the two things that every man struggles the most to say. Come on, man, what are those things? I'm sorry, I'm sorry and... And I was wrong. Come on, Lee is on top of it. Come on, she knows. She knows. <laughs> oh, boy. I do uh, marriage counseling as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, and I was wrong. The Lord had to search my heart for me to discover that there was something in there that I didn't see before. I know growing up that uh, I've always been addicted to applause. And I've always craved the affirmation of people and the attention of others. I was, I, I'm, not, I'm not bragging here, but I was prom king in high school. I was, I was voted class clown. I just wanted to be the life of the party everywhere I went. And if somebody didn't like me or somebody had a problem with me, I took that so deeply. It cut so bad. And I remember one time my mom came out to me and she goes, you know, Blake, you really struggle with the opinions of other people on you. And I got defensive. No, I don't. What are you talking about? I don't, I don't need people to like me. And the more the years went on, another person would come to me and say, Blake, I, why does this hurt so much when this person doesn't like you? Not everybody's going to like you, but why does it hurt so much? And I began to realize this does cut deeply. There is something here. And I had to take that to the Lord and say, Lord, would you search my heart? Why do I feel this way? Why... Why does this hurt so much? God, search my heart. Find, tell me. Tell me why I struggle with this so much. And the Lord just began to reveal that, that, I, have these, that I have these insecurities. That I, Instead of looking to Jesus for my affirmation, for my identity in him, I was looking to other people. And if I didn't receive that applause, if, I didn't, if, no, if not everybody liked me, I, I took it so hard. But it took 
A moment with the Lord saying, Lord, would you search my heart? And if you're here this morning, maybe you've, maybe you've never done this before, but, but I would encourage you to pray a dangerous prayer. Lord, search my heart. Discover in me if there's anything there that you're trying to get rid of that I keep holding on to. Show me where these wounds are coming from. Show me where they started. Lord, search my heart. The second thing that David prays, he says, search my heart, but then he says this, would you reveal my fears? He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Reveal my fears to me. What makes you anxious? What are you afraid of? I'm not talking about snakes, and I'm not talking about spiders. My wife is terrified of spiders, and honestly, I kind of love spiders because they make me look like the big hero around the house. I'm not talking about claustrophobia. I'm very claustrophobic. I'm not talking about the man that we think is right outside the shower curtain when we're in the shower. No, I'm talking about the things that keep you up at night. The things that stir around in your head and keep you awake because you're concerned about losing something or you're concerned about what's going to happen. What are you afraid of? What are those fears? Some of us, were afraid of being stuck in a bad marriage. Of, of things going wrong and we're not going to be able to fix it and our marriage is going to fall apart. We're, some of us are afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure. If I step out and do this thing and I don't make it, then people are going to think that I'm no good. I'm a failure. We're afraid of intimacy. Maybe you're afraid of the unknown. God is calling you somewhere and you don't know what's going to happen. You're afraid of, of, of not knowing what's next. Some of us are afraid of loss, of losing somebody that we deeply love. I don't even know people who are afraid of success because they're afraid it's going to keep them too busy and their life's going to get cluttered. Why does David pray this? Why does David ask the Lord to reveal his fears to him? Here's why. Because what we fear most reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear most reveals where we trust God the least. Maybe you're afraid of losing your marriage, of trying to keep it together. Perhaps you're not trusting God with your marriage. You haven't surrendered that to him. Perhaps you're afraid of something happening to your children. I know as a parent, this is something I think about all the time. What if my parents run out into traffic? What if they choke? And it, sometimes I think about it at night. What if I lose one of my kids and this fear starts to creep over my heart? I'm not trusting God with my children. I need to trust God with my children. Maybe you're afraid of not having enough. Well, are you trusting God as your provider, knowing that he is going to be enough for you financially, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is? I've wrestled for a very long time with the fear of, of not being enough, the fear of failing as a husband. This is me being totally vulnerable with you, church, I've, I've wrestled with the fear of not being enough for my wife, the fear of failing my wife as a husband, the fear of failing my children as a father, the fear of failing my church as a pastor. If you don't think I've thought about that before, what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have what it takes? What if I don't have the grit? What if we have to close the doors one day? Uh, these are very real fears. And as God has revealed these fears to me, I began to spend some time with him, and you know what he told me? He said, you're right, Blake, you're not enough. Well, thanks, God, appreciate that. You're not enough. You don't have enough on your own 
to be the best husband, father, pastor you can be, but I'm enough. I am enough, and if you seek me, if you cling to me and keep me first in your life, then I will give you the strength to be the best husband you can be, to be the best father you can be, to be the best pastor that you can be. He's enough. And as I begin to allow God to reveal the fears in my heart, the things that keep me awake at night, I can surrender those to him. But if we, don't, if we aren't made aware of what those things are, if we can't put our fingers on it, it's hard for us to surrender those fears to the Lord. What are you afraid of? Pray with me today. God, would you search my heart? Would you reveal my fears to me? Show me where I'm not trusting you in my life so that I can begin the process of handing this over to you, of trusting you more with these things. The third thing that David prays, and this is a sticky one. This gets a little tricky right here. David prays, would you uncover my sins? This is a bold, this is a dangerous prayer right here. Lord, uncover my sins. He says, see if there's any offensive way in me. Oftentimes we live with a sin for so long that we can't see it anymore. We don't see any longer the way that we talk to our spouse. The eye rolls, the disdain that we give off in our conversations, the the, the short conversations, the, the, the way that we talk to our spouse, the way that we treat our spouse, we do it for so long that suddenly we're blind to it. We don't have an issue with talking to our spouse. Our communication is great. Maybe it's because you don't communicate. We don't see it any longer. We fail to see uh, the little white lies that we tell because we, we convince ourselves that they're not a big deal. Nobody knows that I didn't do this thing and it's not gonna hurt anybody's feelings. Nobody's gonna get hurt. It's just a white lie. We tell those little white lies for so long that eventually we stop feeling convicted about them. We stop seeing those sins. We watch TV shows and movies for so long that we become numb to the reality that we shouldn't be watching those kind of shows. We shouldn't be watching those things. That's garbage. But we watch them for so long, we say yes to them for so long that we become numb to it. And we convince ourselves, well, everybody else is watching it. I'm just trying to keep up with culture, right? When I was a youth pastor, I convinced myself, well, I got to keep up with the youth. You know, I got to do what they were doing. Just to, just to, you know, make sure that I can have conversation with them. I have a friend who uh, didn't know that he was colorblind until he was like close to 20 years old. And I remember we were all in a group setting. We were circled up and he had come and he was a very macho man he came with this purple vest on that just wasn't like him. And we said, everybody was kind of commenting on his unique purple vest. And, hey, nice vest, man. And he was, yeah, it's a nice purple vest you got there. And he was getting offended and kind of defensive. It's not purple. It's blue. Can't you tell it's blue? And everybody in the group, no, your vest is purple, man. We, we got to say it's purple. We found out, he found out, he went home and found out that he can't fully see the color red. And the that he thought his vest was blue because he couldn't see the little bits of, of red in his vest that made it look purple. How many of you have red that you don't see in your life? What's the red that you've become blind to? What's the red you don't see? Here's a couple questions you can ask yourself in asking God to reveal these fears. Maybe, maybe this will help. Here's some questions you can ask. What are others trying to tell me? What are other people trying to tell me? Oftentimes, our friends and our family are great indicators 
of things in our life that don't belong. If there's a good rule of thumb, if more than two people have come up to you and said the same thing about your life, hey man, I don't think you should be doing that. Hey, I'm really concerned about this in your life. I'm really concerned that maybe you should stop watching this or maybe, hey, you said something the other day and I, I, I think that might have hurt that person's feelings. You know, what are others trying to tell you? Oftentimes that's a good indicator of, of what those things are that you need to uncover. Another thing you can ask is, what have I rationalized for some time? What have I rationalized? What have I used to handle stress? How have I coped in the past? What have I used to cope with pain, to cope with stress in the past? What are those things? What have I rationalized? What have I said yes to? Maybe at one point it was a black and white statement. No, I'm not going to do this. But over time, it became more and more gray. You began to rationalize it. What are the things that you have rationalized? And the last thing is, where am I the most defensive? When people say something to me, where do, I, where do I get defensive? Where do I start to want to fight? Is it areas of pride in your life? Is it materialism? Is it lust or addiction? Maybe it is gossip. Maybe it's a critical spirit. Maybe it's disobedience. I remember years ago, and I still struggle with this, I, like I said, I, I just, I've always liked to be the life of a party, and I want to make people laugh, and so there was a point in my life when I would just take jokes way too far, just way, they were just too inappropriate, and I, I just wanted to have the last laugh, that I wanted to be the one who told the funniest joke, and sometimes I would just, I just would take it way too far and say something inappropriate, and one of my friends came up to me and they said, hey man, like I know you're just trying to be funny, but you really shouldn't have said that. I mean, there were girls in the room. And I was like, stop being so critical of me, man. It's like, I was, just, I was just having fun. It's not a big deal. And then a little while later, another friend came up to me and he goes, hey man, like I know you were just trying to be funny, but that was really inappropriate. I don't, I don't think you should have said that. I mean, you, you're you're in the church, man. Like, people are looking to you for Jesus, and you can't be saying stuff like that. And I was like, oh, just because I work in a church, I have to be perfect? No. Stop being so critical. But I took this to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you know, people saying that I'm getting defensive. I recognize I'm getting defensive. I'm rationalizing it. I'm just trying to be funny, right? But as I began to take that to the Lord, I started realizing, you know what? I am being inappropriate. This, these are not things I should be saying. And I had to repent. Lord, would you help me with this? I don't want to be inappropriate. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. What are those things that you get defensive about? And before you say, I don't struggle with those kind of things, Pastor Blake. I don't have anything in my life. I'm going to challenge you today. Pray this dangerous prayer. Search me, God. Reveal my fears uncover my sins because if you pray that prayer God is going to do it God is going to do a work in your heart it's a dangerous prayer only pray it if you mean it and the last thing that David prays is lead me he says see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting God, you've searched my heart. I realize that I have things I need to apologize for. I realize I have these insecurities that I need the, I need the approval of other people. God, you revealed my fear to me. I, 
I know now that I've been afraid of not being enough, of failing other people, God. You uncover my sin, and I, I know I need to repent of being inappropriate. Now what? Now where do I go from here? What's next? The next thing to do is ask the Lord to lead you. God, would you lead me to your ways, to your life everlasting? God, would you lead me in the way that you have for me? Would you grow my faith? Would you grow me as an individual? We have to stop lying to ourselves, church. You may be content living in a little ignorant bubble where you pretend like nothing is wrong, nothing is happening, but it does not change the facts because other people can see those things. Other people are being hurt by those things, and we can't stop denying the truth that we need to change, that we need God to search me, We need our fears to be revealed. We need our sins to be uncovered. We need the Lord to lead us. It's a dangerous prayer, but we can't stop denying the truth. We need the Lord to change us. I'm gonna invite Jennifer, wherever she's at, to come up, and she's gonna play a little bit as we close together. And church, I wanna ask you today, are you ready to pray this? Are you ready to say a dangerous prayer and ask the Lord to search you. Some, for some of us, you know, for some of us, we're gonna pray this prayer. We, we pray this prayer, and, it, and it's, it's things that we didn't even know that we were struggling with. Some of us, we know exactly what it is, and we've been afraid to pray this prayer because if we ask the Lord to reveal my fears, to uncover my sins, oh, he's gonna really do a work. He's gonna, he's gonna ask me to do some surrendering, and I'm not ready for that. God, Here's how I want my faith with you to work. I'm gonna come 98% of the way there, but this 2% I'm gonna hold on to myself. And maybe we can work on some other things, right? I'll stop swearing as much, or I'll, you know, I'll stop, I'll kind of, you know, I'll clean up in this area, but this 2%, I'm not ready, Lord. I'm gonna hold on to this till I feel ready. Oftentimes that 2% is the most important part. Oftentimes that 2% that we're holding on to is the part that God is saying, no, I want all of it. I want that 2%. I want that little extra that you're holding on to because that is gonna make all the difference. I remember there's been times in my life where I've, I've, I've given God that 2%, that 2% and I've, I've had to do it over and over again because how many of you know that, that through life we we start to stack on more things and we have to stay in relationship with God and give him that, those things that we start to carry on our shoulders. We have to give those back to God. And I remember times in my life where I've come to God and I say, okay, God, here's that 2%. And I go all in and I give him it all. And the pain that I think I'm going to experience by giving him the 2%, there's always a little bit of pain, but it's always overshadowed by the goodness of God, by the grace and the mercy that is experienced when you confess, the grace and mercy that you experience when you give God the weight and he exchanges it for his joy and for his love and for his peace, it's always a good trade for you. It's always a better trade for you when you surrender everything to him. Are you willing to say, I don't care what it costs me, I don't care what price I have to pay. I am going to surrender everything to you, God. I'm going to pray this dangerous prayer because I want to be more like Jesus. 
For those of you watching online, we're gonna say a prayer in just a moment as a church. And I, I'd encourage you that if this is you and you're ready to surrender those that 2%, would you say this with us today? Let's put that Psalm 139 back on the screen. And we're gonna pray this as a church. If you're ready, I, I encourage everybody just to stand up together. Church, let's stand together. And on the count of three, we're gonna pray this prayer together if you're ready. Here it is. One, two, three. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, right now I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray for those who have, have never, maybe never heard your voice before or, or it hasn't been revealed to them yet what those things are. God, I just pray that this morning you would do a revealing work, that you would search our hearts, you would reveal my fears to us. God, would you, would you uncover our sins? Would you lead us, God? I pray, Lord, for new life, new abundant life for those people who, are, who have been hesitant. God, I pray for the people who know exactly what it is that they need, need to surrender, but they're hesitant to pray this prayer because they know the cost. They know what it's gonna cost them. And it seems like it's too much. It seems like there's gonna be too many people hurt by it. Lord, I thank you that your grace and your mercy is so good to cover any sin. Lord, I thank you that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And Lord, I just thank you that you have a plan for our life that involves us giving you everything. Jesus, we surrender it to you. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, I wanna offer two invitations for everybody in this room. The first is for those people who are ready to surrender something. Maybe you, maybe you have something that you've said, God, I, I, I've held on to this for far too long. Know that, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment, but know that this is only the first step, okay? That raising your hand is, is a good start. It's acknowledging where, what that thing is, but there's also a step. Maybe you need to confess to somebody. Maybe you need to go to God and have a time of prayer with him where you say, God, I need you to change me. If that's you, if you're in this room and you've, you have something weighing on your heart, you need to give it to God. You need to say, God, I've been holding on this for too many years. I wanna surrender it to you. If that's you, would you raise your hand in this room? Hands up all over the place. Thank you, Jesus. That's the first step. God, I thank you for every person who raised their hand. God, would you give them the courage and the boldness to keep going in their surrender. Lord, to take the next step of confession, to take the next step of faith, and continue pressing in towards you, Jesus. Lord, your word says that your yoke is easy and your burden is light and that all those who are weary should come to you. God, I thank you for the weary people in this room who are coming to you today. The second invitation I wanna offer is for those who have never said yes to the person of Jesus Christ or maybe you said yes long ago and you've walked away. You're coming back to the Lord. I wanna invite you to recommit your life to Jesus this morning and, and once again know that this raising of the hand is only the first step, that there is a, a process of discipleship that needs to take place. We're gonna be launching small groups in the fall and, and uh, they're gonna be discipleship groups and I would encourage you to stay a part of this church body. And, and commit to attending some of these discipleship groups and walking alongside other believers 
who have been doing this for years and years. If this is you in this room and you want to say, I want to give my life back to the Lord, or maybe you've never said it before, everybody watching online, this is an invitation for you as well. Would you just raise your hand if that's you in the room? I see hands up. One more invitation. If there's anybody else, don't hold back. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for the commitments that have been made this morning. I pray that you would solidify those commitments. Jesus, for every person who raised their hand, I want you to know that you are a new creation. You are a new creation. In fact, I want this church to pray this prayer together. Would you pray this with me? Repeat after me. Father God, thank you for your son that he died on the cross for my sin. I repent for the things that I've done wrong. And I turn to you, Jesus. Give me new life and fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we lift up a shout of praise to the Lord? Give him praise for the work that was done. Praise him. Praise him. I want to encourage you that if that was you, that you are a new creation, that the Lord has made you new. He's made you clean. He's made you whole. There is nothing the enemy has on you in Jesus' name. God bless you, church family. We'll see you on Saturday for our corporate time of prayer at 9 o'clock. And next Sunday, we're going to have a new topic. So God bless you. We'll see you later.